Welcome to the Soccer Geeks Podcast, hosted by Jason Barbato. Welcome everybody to the Soccer Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Barbato, along with my the best co-pilot, actually this way, the best co-pilot anybody could ever have, Miss Marissa Callie. Marissa, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you doing? I am so excited, but I want you to tell everybody about the guests that we have today on the show. So why don't you go ahead and drop that bomb yeah. for everybody? We have uh, Marley Canales. She is a um, newly drafted player for the OL Reign, um, longtime soccer player, youth soccer player. We watched her uh, come up in the surf system in San Diego and then play UCLA. So we're happy to have her on and talk a little bit about her journey, but also all the things when it comes to training and getting drafted into the NWSL. So um, we're super excited to have her today. Absolutely. I can't wait to see kind of her, all the experience she's had growing up and then looking forward, she has some big hurdles to climb as well. And I can't wait to just continue mm -hmm. to cheer her along in the sidelines and see all the progress she makes. Well, why don't you go ahead and bring Marley on the show? Awesome. Hey, Marley. Marley, welcome. Marley, welcome. How are we doing? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Mm -hmm. We're very excited to have you on the show today. Very excited. Yeah. So, so thanks for making, thanks for making time for us. Of course. Awesome. Well, I'll let you guys get to the conversation and I'll just be back here um, giving it some notes and uh, I'll see you guys later. Thanks, Marissa. Appreciate it. Marley, welcome to the show. You know, uh, backstage, we were talking a little bit about, you know, the process. Um, and like I had just mentioned in our, our opening conversation, you know, you have had hurdles that you've had to face from a youth player in a highly competitive system. And now it just seems that you're just a, and then you went to UCLA and now you're, you're in the NWSL. So it seems that either you're a glutton for punishment or you really love overcoming big challenges. So um, very excited to have this conversation for all of our youth players that are out there today to kind of talk about um, for you, your experience of how you've kind of overcome some of those challenges. So I'll start our question off with this. A tryout season is upon us right now for most youth players here in Southern California. Um, is there a story or two that you can kind of share from your experience as a youth player, um, kind of working through that tryout process, uh, maybe share what age it was and kind of what the situation was for us a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So um, when I first started playing soccer, I was at a very small local club and I stayed there for probably until I was about U14. So I played a couple years up. I was really just not too much focused on winning games, but I just really wanted to develop. And then when around high school time started to come, I know I knew that I needed to go to a probably a bigger club to have college coaches see me and just be put in a really good situation to set me up. And so, yeah, when I was about 14, my dad took me to surf, uh, San Diego surf, and that was a much bigger club in our area. Um, so I remember I was just from this little club, um, from my hometown and I loved that club. I was there since I was probably six. So, um, I loved being in my comfort zone. I was, I was just, was familiar. I grew up with a lot of those players and I remember my dad, who's been my coach my whole life. He told me, um, I think it's in your best interest to go to San Diego. And I think that, um, it'll test your limits and challenge you. And I think this is the best situation for you. So I trusted him and I said, okay, I'll do it, I guess. So, 
um, I, I went and I remember at the polo fields, I'm sitting in the car with my dad and I was so nervous. I didn't, I didn't know any of these girls. I didn't, I just assumed they wouldn't like me. I, I'm not at first I am very shy. Um, so yeah, I remember just sitting in the car and I was ready to cry and I'm like, I don't want to go to this. I want to go back to my little club, um, and just keep everything the same. And my dad just talked to me and he's like, it's just soccer. Everything's going to be the exact same. You all put on your cleats um, and kick a soccer ball around. So um, I was very reluctant, but my dad convinced me because it wasn't like he's going to drive me home. So he kept me there and he's like, you're, you're not leaving. So you're going to this field. So I went out there and I remember passing the ball with my dad. I was just beyond nervous um, playing with new players, but, um, yeah, he just, he, like I said, he's been my coach my whole life and he's like, it's just soccer. Just go out there, have fun, um, play. Like it's just you and me in the backyard. So that's what I ended up doing. And the tryout went really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that it's a very stressful situation and, um, you're, you're out of your comfort zone. So anytime you do that, it's going to be difficult, but, um, you don't grow when you stay in your little comfort zone and nothing changes. So, I knew that I wanted to play in college and I knew that I had big aspirations. So I knew that this was the best situation for me, but um, I'm I'm thankful my dad didn't let me drive home that day. Absolutely. You know, it's remarkable too, because at such a young age, you kind of knew the pathway you wanted to embark on. And you kind of, is even from just sharing that right now, you kind of talked about the fact like you knew what it was going to take. And I I wonder for a lot of players, if that conversation happens sooner, if it would help them just mentally and psychologically prepare, you know, one of the things I'm a dad, I've got, I've got a daughter who is currently a U14 and another daughter who is a U11. And we talk about that now. I mean, I, when it comes to tryouts, I have them try out for a lot of teams. Not that we're ever necessarily going to leave clubs. I'm not really big on making lateral moves. As you said, you played for the same youth club for a really long time. Um, but I always think it's really good to put them out of their comfort zone, mm-hmm. put kids that they've never seen before. And we just went through this this last week. And, uh, you know, I, I'd encouraged my girls. and I told her, hey, listen, just the only thing I want you to do is to make sure that the coaches know your name by the time you leave the field. Just do something to where they're like, hey, what's your name? You know, and that they remember and then shake their hand on the way out. Like that's the number one thing. And and so working to be noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you went to start, you know, can, actually, can you just drop the name of the community kind of smaller club that you played for? Because we want to be able to plug them too. where'd you play before you went to surf? I played at PQ Premier. Um, so I lived okay. in Richard Penasquitos and the club okay. name was PQ Premier. And then they combined with another team from the area. Um, so then we became, uh, San Diego. I honestly don't know. Something San Diego, but San Diego United. I think so. Maybe it's that one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it happens all the time, right? You know, I was talking with some friends the other day about this process too. And it's like within 20 minutes of my house, there's 25 youth clubs. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the rare places in the country where we are so saturated with youth players, and so the process I think for trying out is a little bit different for everybody. Now, when you when you made the jump from PQ Premier to serve, did you automatically make their academy first team, or kind of where was your pecking order, kind of how they placed you there? Yeah, so I did make their first team. Um, I believe the year that I left for college is when they started academy. So it wasn't necessarily academy yet um, when I was in club, but 
uh, yeah, I did make their, their first team and, um, I was very excited. And at that same time, um, I, my dad had me start training with boys as well. So I was all out of my comfort zone joining a new team and then starting to play with boys too. Um, I think that's one of the best things that my dad's done for me in my process of where I am now is just continually making me uncomfortable and that has helped me grow so much. Speaking of continuing with being uncomfortable, you know, you went uh, with a couple, I think with, with more than one teammate to UCLA, right? From surf, or was it just you and Mia that went to UCLA? Um, Mia, she's a few years younger than me, but then also Sunny Dunphy and Kaya Matala came with me um, in my grade to UCLA. Okay, gotcha. So it, at least you had some kind of familiarity kind of walking into that big uh, college campus experience. How did that, um, that that desire that your father kind of instilled in you to like be uncomfortable? I mean, it's a huge, huge hill to climb being a freshman, one of the biggest programs in the country. Um, how did you know that prepare you to walk into now the next stage of your career where um, you know, you've got to earn and fight minutes. I mean, what, what did that look like kind of walking into UCLA as a freshman? Yeah, it was very difficult, actually. Um, I wish that I could say that it, it was all smooth sailing, but uh, my freshman year was very difficult. And I believe that I was coming off a U20 World Cup. Um, so I missed my real freshman year because um, of the World Cup. So I came in in January and I thought that, you know, I just came from U20 World Cup. Like, this is going to be awesome. Um, And it wasn't like that. It was very difficult. Um, In college, you have girls that are four or five years older than you, and now you are competing for a position. And it's much like how the pro level is going to be. But, yeah, no, my freshman year, I think that it was just very difficult. I wasn't really in the right mind frame to um, make that big jump. And – I underestimated um, kind of just how big the jump would be, you know, from club high school now to a program like UCLA. And so my freshman year, I really didn't play um, at all. I played a couple minutes here and there and um, throughout season. And it was very frustrating. It was the first time really in my life that I wasn't playing, wasn't starting, wasn't really um, playing how I usually play. So I think that after that season, I was like, I had, I could pick one or two ways I could leave transfer, um, or I could stick it out and figure out what's the problem. How do I fix it? And do I want to stay here? And I've, I loved my time at UCLA. I'm so grateful for the whole opportunity. Um, but that the summer after my freshman season, I had a choice and, I decided to be, get the fittest I could. Um, I had to work on my confidence because it was very low. Um, and I just had to be ready to compete. And um, after my freshman year, I became a four-year starter. And that's what I did. But, I mean, most people, you would think coming off a, a U20 World Cup, it'd be smooth sailing. But it wasn't. But um, I'm very thankful for those challenges because it taught me that, okay, I this is on me now. You know, you're not – living at home, you're not with your parents. Um, this is all on me. So yeah, I had to grow up and I did. So it was, it was for the best, I believe. 
Yeah, you did. I, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I've, I've really followed your career and been an admirer of your work ethic since you were even a youth player at Surf and, and seeing everything that you've kind of had to work through uh, at UCLA. And eventually, you know, so the audience knows, you know, you were, you were team captain this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is a, a huge honor, you know, um, can you talk a little bit of what it was like to be a college athlete during COVID mm-hmm. and everything? And, and, and you talk about the, the, the psychological and even the physical hurdles that you had to overcome and, and being a leader on your team and an avid, you know, Twitter user as well. It's always been great to follow all the stuff that you post through the years mm-hmm. as well, but can you talk about what it was like to lead yourself and lead others through, you know, this nightmare experience that we all have lived through called COVID. Can you talk a little bit to our friends in the audience about that? Yeah. So actually right before COVID, um, I had torn my ACL and I remember, yeah, yeah, that was one of the hardest things I've gone through. Um, so the pandemic was in right in the middle of my rehab, my recovery. And, I used to go into UCLA and do rehab for about four hours. Um, And then all of a sudden pandemic hit and my trainer's like, no one can come back to campus. Um, We're on a lockdown basically when that, when the pandemic first hit. And that was very difficult because now I'm at home. Um, I had to use the equipment I had to take control of my recovery and my rehab. And it it was very difficult because I had exercises, but I didn't have my athletic trainer there to guide me and um, whatnot. So again, I had to take take it by the horns and um, take control of my rehab and recovery because I knew that I needed to get back on the field. I missed it so much. And so it was very difficult. And then I ended up being able to slowly go back to campus and then um, our weight room started to open. So it, my re- it took a toll on my rehab because um, it took me about 14 months to come back where I was hoping it'd be under a year. Um, but that's just stuff I couldn't control. And yeah. the most important thing at that time was that people are being safe, people are staying healthy. And that's at the end of the day, the most important thing. So um, yeah, I mean, our season did get canceled in the fall. So then we move into a spring season coming 2021. And Um, It was difficult because we have new players that we haven't even been able to meet in person. So we're doing, we're trying to do zoom sessions and our coaches, they're just trying to get us to know who each other are, you know? So, um, and everybody loves being on zoom. It's like the, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great place to get to know. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a horrible way to become teammates. Uh, I had even see that with my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. they were, all the kids would set up with the soccer ball in their backyard and they're all doing ball drills. And my girls yeah. would literally come in afterwards and they're like, I, I'm going to hate soccer if I have to keep doing this dad. Like it's the worst. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so hard. Can you talk about the, I mean, I, I get the physical, can you talk about, and, and now you're kind of talking about the communal or like the unitedness of a team, but um, you know, like I, I think it's so impressive that in the midst of all of that, you're identified by the coaching staff and identified by your peers as a captain. And, and I think that, that that carries a huge sense of weight. Can you talk a little bit about the responsibility you felt to not only lead yourself, but to be validated in a sense by your peers and your 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 coaching staff to be able to lead others? Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that growing up, again, my my dad always told me you have to be a leader, not a follower. And 
that really came into play in the pandemic because I was now it's it's up to me, you know, there's there's no training sessions, there's no team, anything. So I I I knew that this was going to be my last full year at UCLA. I knew I was gonna stay in the fall. Um, but for the spring, I mean, my time at UCLA was dwindling down. So um, yeah, I mean, I think I've always relied on my work ethic and to set uh, set an example that way and also be very vocal. So whether that was connecting with new girls that were brand new to UCLA, um, it's having them buy into our culture. And our senior class did a great job of creating a very healthy and safe and productive culture. And that's exactly what I wanted. Um, that's what we agreed on. And that's just something that I think was hopefully going to change UCLA for a long time. Um, It's, it it is competitive because it's one of the best schools in the country. Um, But at the same time, you have to make sure that you're looking out for each other and holding each other accountable. So it's a very big balance. Um, But yeah, I knew that I had gone through so much at UCLA. I was a starter, not a starter injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. So I felt like I could really relate to girls that were going through all different things, whether they were injured, playing, not playing. Like I, I use that to my advantage and use that as, Hey, I know what you're going through. Like I, I've been through that and I've been able to come out the better end of it. So that's really what I use in my leadership style is just to have everyone get on the same page. And I think that started with um, when things got difficult in the pandemic. I love that. And I think that, you know, it's really important, even coaches, you know, parents, players at the end of the day, you know, remove the soccer ball, your, your people, mm-hmm. you know, re- strip all those things away and you're human beings. And we, we all, you know, we all want to know that we're going to be all right. And there's going to be a future and a pathway forward, even if it looks different from what we expect. And so mm-hmm. I found that in, in leading others, you have to not only know how to lead others, you have to know how to lead yourself too. And so that, that's such a huge vital uh, component and not everybody's a leader, you know, um, but it's, it's when we look to those that actually are leading us, where are they leading us in, and to what end? And so mm-hmm. I think that's just such a valuable uh, characteristic. And I know it's going to take you really far in your career. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit with us of, you know, you, uh, some of the bigger themes for you now uh, transitioning, knowing, hey, college is coming to an end. Um, I, I, I not college wasn't the be all end all for you, Marley, you know, how did you have to start shifting gears to prepare yourself for a professional career? Yeah. So I, it had been a dream since I was little and I just really challenged myself to start to get in the mindset of a professional, whether that was how my nutrition, my fitness, um, training on and off the field. I know it's a different level and I, challenge myself to take it to the next level because yeah, I still have so much love for the game and you have to, if you're going to prepare for the professional level. And so that's when I knew I'm like, I want to keep playing for as long as I can um, because I love the sport and I love the process of training and having the payoff be on the field. So yeah, yeah, it was, that's what I tried to do uh, preparing for, at least the draft. And now um, I leave in two weeks from yesterday to go up to Seattle. So I'm super excited for that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so excited to learn from some of the best players in the world. So that's what I've tried to mentally prepare myself for. um, And then also just 
everything's a level up, whether that's lifting, nutrition, um, training. Um, it's going to be challenging. But again, I'm so excited and um, I believe I'm ready. What were some of the sacrifices, you know, other than like, you know, late night snacks mm-hmm. and not, you know, not sleeping mm-hmm. at like, but what were some of the other um, legitimate like costs that you, you had to just basically sacrifice to go, all right, I've already, I've achieved at this level. I've, I really had to push myself to get here, but now I, I, I know that something has to give here, but what were some of the things that you had to sacrifice, you know, to, to make this jump? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it starts when you're young, obviously, um, whether that's going to tournaments for the weekends, um, just having games, trainings. Um, I know also through high school, I miss a lot of social events, whether that's prom, dances, senior trips, whatever it may be. Um, and also, I missed a lot of school, so that was difficult. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was very difficult because I have had friends that they don't play sports. And so they're like, oh, we're going out to do this. We're doing this. And I'm like, I have training. I have games. I need to go and do my extra work. And so um, thankfully, my friends are understanding of my goals and my dreams. Uh, But yeah, it was very difficult. And then also just being away from my family for a long time. Um, It's not easy, but uh, my family has always stood behind me and my goals um, and my dreams. So at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a sacrifice because I love what I'm doing and I know my family's behind me, but yeah. it is missing holidays, birthdays, um, all of that stuff. Um, but I know that it's going to, it's going to pay off for sure. Yeah. Well, and it looked, I mean, obviously you're on the doorstep of it really mm-hmm. paying off for you. Um, can you talk about the process of um, the NWSL draft? Um, can you kind of just share some of the back, you know, behind the scenes stuff for our audience? You know, were you receiving, you know, phone calls from, you know, general managers and coaches or things like that? You know, um, what did that process kind of look like for you? Uh, yeah, it was draft day was crazy. Um, well, first of all, leading up after, by the time I see, yeah. can day, you, can you talk up, can you talk just about leading up to draft day? Cause I have a couple other questions about draft day and I, I have an opinion I want to share with you, but okay. leading up to draft day, share, share that for us. Yeah. Leading up to draft day. Um, I had talked to a couple of different teams, a um, couple of different GMs, head coaches. Um, and my agent had been very helpful in kind of constructing and just just getting the word out, you know, that I, I'm ready for the NWSL draft and I'm excited. And so, yeah, I talked to a couple different teams and at the end of the day, they can't necessarily promise you anything. Um, anything can happen. And everyone saw with the expansion draft as well. Um, draft picks are shifting everywhere. So there's really no say of what's going to happen until the day right. actually comes. So there was a big countdown for the day of the draft and I watched in my house with my family. And so the day of the draft, um, you know, you kind of just sit and hope and wait. Um, I had heard heard from a couple teams earlier in the week, um, but with the expansion draft and then I think there's a day in between and then the real draft, you're really just sitting there and um, waiting for your name to be picked. And, it yeah. was, I will never forget that day because it was emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many different emotions, you know, like you want to be, you're excited, you're nervous, you're confused, um, just a lot of stuff. So yeah. um, 
yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm so thankful from OL Rain and Laura Harvey for giving me this opportunity. And uh, right before my name was called, I got a phone call from a Seattle number and I answered it. And um, Laura Harvey was said, Marley, get ready to hear your name get picked. And I was very emotional. I'm a pretty yeah. emotional person. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had taken that phone call outside and I ran back into my house and I told my parents and um, we, we just sat there together and waited to hear my name called. So yeah. it was, there were so many emotions. Like I remember Laura asking me on the phone. She's like, are you still there? I'm like, yeah, I'm all choked up. I can't really talk. Um, yeah. but thank you so much, you know? Um, yeah. so it was, it was, it was crazy. Cause you know, I don't, I had no idea where I was going to end up. Um, but I was just praying for an opportunity. Um, that's all I've ever really asked for. So, um, yeah, again, I'm just so thankful for OL Rain, and they have already incredible midfielders, an incredible team. So I am over the moon so excited to just yeah. go there and learn. And, uh, yeah, so I'm very thankful. I'm very excited. It seems that your career has continued to put you in, in the deep end of the swimming pool at every <laughs> – at every leg. And the one thing that I'm so impressed with you and, and in our conversation, even today is I, I really don't even know if oil rain knows the type of person that they have on and off the field that they have in you. And I, I personally, I have no doubt that you're going to be really successful. You know, uh, speaking of draft day, you know, I was watching, uh, you know, some of the draft boards, you were slated to go much higher. Mm -hmm. Personally, this is just me speaking. I was not happy with how far into the draft you ended up. Um, and, and I, we knew, I mean, I, on this, on this end of the aisle, I was very confident that somebody knows your quality and was going to, was going to, was going to draft you knowing that you're going to such a, a star studded, you know, midfield of an organization, but also knowing that all the other teams passed on you multiple times. Tell me how that ignites your engine and your fire to prove the people who believe in you right and to prove the people who didn't really wrong. Uh, tell, tell me about the fire in that engine for you. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it feels like the draft was yesterday. I still have the same feeling in my stomach of um, being very thankful for Laura and the rain um, on one side of it, being very, very thankful and so excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the other side of me is like, okay, I mean, it is what it is at this point and I'm not going to spend any more energy questioning or being upset, you know? Um, but, <laughs> I'll do but, that for you. I'll do that. for yeah. you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I won't forget that. Um, yeah. at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, um, yeah. I, I've just needed an opportunity and I wanted to go somewhere where they were going to believe in me and, um, just be excited for me. So, yeah. Um, it is what it is at this point, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it ignites a fire in me that I didn't know was there. So, um, I'm excited and yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of just been my story of, um, my journey so far and what are you, it's my own motivation and I have my own, um, I don't need other people's opinions. <laughs> yep. Going well, you're, you're a leader. As we, as we talked about before, you're, you're, you're someone who knows how to lead yourself. And mm -hmm. even when it's a, a daunting task where, you know, the players are more seasoned and more professional and, you know, more developed in their, their, their craft. 
I, I don't see you shrinking back personally. I, I think you, I think that is something that really adds more kindling to it. I'm very excited for you in regards to that. And you said you leave in two weeks to head up to Seattle and um, you know, you, you're going to be getting prepared for challenge cup, which kind of starts here pretty soon. Correct. Yes. Uh, you know, what's the conversation been like for you going into that? It's just like, Hey, preseason, we kind of see how things kind of go and, you know, uh, did they give you any expectations about, you know, playing time or, or where you are in the pecking order or anything like that? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think that they're just they we start the first and that's that, you know, you have to go out and prove yourself um, every year and every player is going to be uh, fighting for the same thing, you know? So um, no, I mean, I, we have, we have a couple more team meetings coming up for like what to expect for that side of it. But um no, I mean, it's just, it's a, now it's a business and it's the professional level. So, um, I, I don't need to be promised anything and I, I'm just going to go out there and, um, prove what I have and what I've been training for. So, um, that's all that I can ask for. Um, so that's what we got coming for us. In a lot of ways, you know, Marley, it seems that you've been preparing for this for your whole life. You know what I mean? And it seems that it's it's a series of, you know, going back to your dad, pushing you out of your comfort zone at 14 years old, stepping into UCLA and not getting any playing time to, you know, uh, a, a loaded team in oil rain. You, you've been prepping for this your whole life. And, and I just want to encourage you that everything you've done to this point has prepared you to be in this position. And I think you're going to be wildly successful just, just based on your own passion and your own fire. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm super pumped for you. Uh, pivoting gears a little bit. You know, one of the things that you had shared with us um, previously was that you're pursuing uh, your master's right now in transformative coaching. Can you talk a little bit about that, um, that, degree decision and kind of what that that looks like for you and what that means yeah so um i had finished my bachelor's and i got my bachelor's in psychology and that's kind of when i decided that i was going to stay another year um just coming back from my knee injury i really wanted another solid season at ucla and so honestly my acl was a blessing in disguise because i was able to stay another year at ucla and walk away with a bachelor's and a master's from ucla um, so yeah, I, I am in the transformative coaching and leadership program at UCLA in the masters of education. And I, it has been so awesome. Um, uh, there are a lot of other athletes and kind of my same situation, especially with the pandemic of just staying an extra year and being a grad transfer or grad student. Um, so my program has been incredible. It's all, I'm a big sports girl. Um, so it's been all sports related um, and then just leadership, uh, as the title says, and it's been awesome. I mean, I've been able to learn so much from other players, uh, leaders, coaches, and a lot of the program has also revolved around John Wooden. And I thought that going in UCLA, I knew of John Wooden, didn't like new pyramid of success. Um, uh, but now after this program, I can walk away truly understanding um, Coach Wooden's philosophies and his ideas of what it takes to be great. And so I'm so thankful. I've learned so much uh, from this program. And it's truly, like I said, it's been a blessing in disguise with my knee. Yeah. What would you say, maybe one or two kind of little reminders from a leadership perspective, like I've talked a little bit about, you know, leaders have to first lead themselves, mm. but what are some of the things that stick with you that kind of play, you know, on repeat in your brain 
to keep you motivated? Yeah, I think um, you kind of mentioned it. Is it always has to come from me? Um, I you have to love the sport and be willing to put in the work because. I mean, you can be at the gym, you can be on the field running. And if you, let's say, cut reps, or you're just not going as hard as you know you can, you're only hurting yourself. But at the same time, no one knows except for you. And that's a level that I try to hold myself to. And just knowing that I can do, I can do the very best I can do. And that's what I'm going to do every time. Um, So you have to have yourself at a very high standard. And that's just what I've done because I love the sport and I want to compete and be successful. So, yeah, I think definitely coming, having your own inspiration and not um, having to get that from anyone else. Um, And then just having belief and faith that things are going to work themselves out. You know, you can control your work ethic and what you do in the 24 hours of a day. Um, But at the same time, there's things that you can't control. And that's been something that I've had to learn throughout my career is there's so many things like I couldn't control blowing out my knee. Um, It was a freak accident, but it's how I'm going to respond in my rehab, um, my attitude and stuff like that. So I think those are two things that I continually have to remind myself that this, if this is what I want, I'm the only one that can put in the work and I'm going to do the best I can. And at the same time, I can't spend time worrying about things that are completely out of my control. Yep. I tell my girls all the time, I say, you know, there's only two things really you can control and that's your effort and that's your attitude. Beyond that, you know, the referee, the wind, the rain, the lightning, your teammate, you know, (laughs) jogging instead of running, whatever it is, those are the only two things that you can, you can genuinely like control. Every other outcome is random. But if you, if you keep those things honed in over time, you will have more success than failure. Yeah. And um, so so thinking back now, uh, looking back uh, of all that you learned at your time at UCLA, everything you're learning in your master's program, what would you tell to 14-year-old Marley uh, kicking a soccer ball with her dad down at Polo that if you were to tell her one thing to just hold on to back then that you feel would have been you know, one of those like cherished um, – you know, uh, precious concepts. What would you share with 14 year old Marley? I think I would want to share that I am fully capable of achieving my dreams. Um, I haven't always been the most confident person. Um, and my family can, can attest to that. Um, there's been so many doubts in myself and just in my ability, but something that I've always leaned back on is my love for the game. And that's something that I'm so glad I still have uh, 10 years later um, from that 14 year old self. Uh, I still love the game as much as I did. And that's why I go out and train so hard and continue to play. Um, And I think, yeah, I think just knowing that I, I can be as good as I want to be and I have to shoot for the stars and just believe in myself. Um, If I don't believe in myself, no one will. So it's just little reminders like that every day is just being confident in the work that you put in, because if you put in the genuine work, um, there's going to have hopefully have good outcomes. So, um, yeah, I mean, just being confident in myself and continuing to love the game as much as I can. Yeah. Super, super, super important. What great advice. I'm going to share that with my daughters tonight, by the way. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, let's pivot a little bit. I'm a, 
you know, I'm a, a country over club guy. You know, I, I, I'm a massive national team fan. Mm-hmm. Um, huge. Um, can you talk about where, where, what conversations have you had and what radars are you on in regard to national team stuff right now? Are you on any radars? Are you, you trying to, you know, are they, that they talk to you about camps and things like that? Where are you at with that? Yeah. So I'm now 24. Um, so obviously too old for the U23s. And so the only team left is the full team. Um, and that's, and again, been a goal since I was little. Um, I started with the national team when I was about 13 and have been into camps, um, basically since that age. Um, so now, you know, it's an interesting time because you look at the NWSL and there's so many incredible players that want the same thing I want, you know, just a, an opportunity and, um, just to get to that next level. And so that's really what, um, but it's still a dream, still a goal. Um, so it's, it's just, it's been weird, you know, with the pandemic, it's just been hard with my knee. Um, and now aging out of the U 23s, um, the next level is only the full team. And so that's something that, you know, I keep in the back of my head and, um, I, I have many goals, many dreams. And so that that's going to stick in my head for sure. And, mm-hmm. um, the only thing I can worry about right now is being prepared for Seattle and going up there and, um, just doing the best I can. And then again, yeah. whatever happens happens. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you've been in that pipeline for so long and you're at a new stage in your career where again, you have to prove yourself mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, no good, no good deeds going to go unnoticed. I think mm-hmm. as far as your career goes. And, and one of the great things I think we've seen from, uh, Vlaco and his staff is that they're not afraid to bring in young players uh, because we just are where the national team is at. So I have no doubt if you continue on your trajectory, you know, you're going to put on the kit for the full team. And, uh, you know, I hopefully it's somewhere remotely in the West Coast and I can bring my mm-hmm. girls there. We can support you. That would be just wonderful. Um, talk if you can share just a little bit because you were talking about preparing for Seattle. Uh, what are some of the, you know, the things that you're doing to get prepared to get yourself into camp? You know, you talked about, hey, during COVID, you know, I had to do my own PT by myself. You know, there isn't a manual. Hey, Marley, this is what you do in between getting drafted and getting ready to go to your first team camp. So uh, share a little bit about the company that you're with, kind of getting prepared for that and kind of some of the, the things that you're doing. Unless you can't share, you know, I don't want you to share the secret sauce recipe, <laughs> but, you know, share what you can with us. Yeah. So just within these last two months, um, I've been back and forth between San Diego and L.A., um, just really trying to check all the boxes with nutrition, fitness, uh, individual ball work, and then playing in like small sided games for um, just the game, the speed of the game, you know. Um, so, yeah, I've just been back and forth um, training again with my dad and going back to my roots um, yeah. of training with him. And I've also been able to train with David Copeland Smith at Beast Mode um, with a couple women from the full U.S. team. Um, down in San Diego, and then just a couple of pickup games with um, some older guys that just have pickup games going on. And I think that that's so beneficial, you know, I mean, it's just, it's so fun to be able to play and just compete and um, just get out there. And, you yeah. know, typical off season stuff, you want to make sure that you're staying healthy and staying fit. Um, but also just getting in what you feel like you need to get better at, you know, um, just fine tuning some things. Um, and then obviously incorporating some fitness and lifting, um, cause it is going to be a whole new level. Uh, yeah. 
Got to yeah, be strong. So yeah. That's basically it. Just like I said, trying to check all the boxes, make sure I'm prepared as I can be. I have no doubt you will. Um, you know, one of the things we like to discuss on the show, you know, soccer geeks, uh, it's not just a podcast, you know, just to talk about soccer people. You know, one of the things we're developing is we're actually developing an app um, that is going to uh, gather and centralize more stats for youth players across the country outside of just goals and assists. Because, uh, you know, as a midfielder who scored, you know, three goals, you know, in her senior year, that the the metrics have to go beyond just goals and assists because there's so much more that's out there. And so one of the things that we always look at, you know, that's kind of why the questions have led along the lines of development. But one of the things we always want to look at is also areas for in our country for things to improve. You know, we're still a relatively young soccer country or football or soccer country here in the States. You know, the women's game is incredibly, you know, we were very much are more advanced than most other places in the world, but they're starting to catch up. And looking back in your career and development and the coaches that you had and the clubs that you played for, your college experience, if you were to kind of identify and key one, maybe two areas that if you could wave the Marley wand and you could change, what would you change and to what effect? Um, and that's for us, just like measuring things throughout the game. No, 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 no. I'm talking like, no, I mean, Soccer Geeks, the app, that's what we're trying to do. Like we're okay. doing that metric stuff. I'm talking like you like what could the referees suck in this country i want better referees like whatever you know the parents on the sidelines are all quiet like whatever it would be you know if you were to enact you know you're you're president of the federation for a day and you can enact any change that you think would make the greatest impact in, okay. this, in this that this sport in our country what would you do yeah i think that it would be very important to also continue to address the mental side of the game um i think that that's something that I haven't always been intact with um, because so many people just focus on the physical side, you know, and I think having my bachelor's in psychology now um, it's, it's so important. And I think that obviously your mental health is a huge priority. And then also just the mental side of the game, whether that's how you respond to failure um, how you maintain your confidence. Those are still things that I continually work on myself uh, regardless of what level I'm at. So I think that, yeah, just making sure that players are in the right mindset to be able to perform to the best of their ability. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. And, you know, in the, in the coaching culture and the playing culture and the competitive culture that you've grown in, sometimes we sacrifice the mental future of our kids so we can get results today. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the fact that, you know, everybody who but like your dad said, everybody puts their shoes on the same way every time they step on the field, that they, they're people, we're people. And it's so vital and so important to, to treat uh, our opponents, our teammates, people on the sideline, parents on the sideline treating kids, people in the crowd now cheering Marley, playing for OL Reign. Like you guys are people and you have lives. And, and I think that that's so important, something we can never forget. Um, I just want, I want to thank you so much for the conversation we've had today. I know that we've got to get you down south. Mm -hmm. um, so you can continue on that, that wonderful tear of training that you have, but thank you so much for the conversation today. Um, I, I hope in the future we can get you back on the show, um, and love to hear more about your experiences, but, but thank you for being such a lovely guest and a wonderful person to have and sharing your experiences with us today. Yeah, yeah. of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
and we're going to drop you backstage, but don't leave because there's a couple of things backstage. I still would love to be able to chat with you about. So give me like two more minutes and we'll get, we'll get you off. We'll get Marissa on. We'll wrap it up. So, but thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being here today. Okay. Really proud of everything you've done. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. No problem. You got it. All also, right. Well, thanks everybody. What a wonderful, wonderful conversation with an absolutely amazing youth player in our country. Sure. Uh, what a shining example that she is for uh, young girls. And I, I would venture to say a lot of young men as well uh, in our country mm -hmm. uh, to look forward to her experience and to, to glean from her, her mental fortitude, man, what a remarkable young right. lady. So yes. thanks for, thanks for booking that Marissa. You are the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be like like you said. Hopefully, we can have her back after she has some time up in Seattle and um, see how that transition is going, and um, yep. hear how that's um, going. Obviously, all the stuff that she's learned throughout her career. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks reminder, again to our audience. What? Go ahead. I was going to say, say thanks reminder. again to our audience for sticking along the show. <laughs> What's our reminder? What are we doing? Uh, you can follow all of our stuff on social media at Soccer Geeks USA. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. Hit that sub button. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks Bye. so much, Marissa. Appreciate you as always. Thanks to our audience. Have a great day, everybody. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.